As home to the world's most fashionable film festival and its most glamorous beaches, the French Riviera, or the Côte d'Azur, is certainly the most stylish stretch of Mediterranean coastline. Its art and cuisine are fresh and colorful, and its popularity means a little insider advice for enjoying the region will help a lot when you're heading off to the Riviera. We're joined in our studio by two French guides, Nina Sefuzati and Véronique Savoy, and they're going to share tips and insights on France's favorite getaway destination. Nina and Véronique, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Véronique, what does the French Riviera mean to the, the people of France? A place where the weather is wonderful. It's a pretty affluent uh, vacation location. Uh, it's not cheap to go there, so I think a lot of people go there and they're ready to spend some money there. Um, it's the weather, I think, that attracts people, the beautiful beaches, uh, the lovely little towns, the villages in the backcountry. There's a lot to do. Does the TGV, I know it goes to Avignon, does it go from Paris all the way to the Riviera? Uh, yeah, you can do Marseille, or you can do uh, Nice as well, though it crawls all the way it's to Nice. <laughs> it's not a TGV anymore all the way to oh, Nice. Okay. Yeah, Nice it, to Paris by train is very slow. But Nice to Paris by airplane is quite easy. Yeah, and a lovely airport in Nice and very efficient. I love That's the, the airport in Nice. I've yeah. flown home to the United States. Uh, from there. Leaving from Nice, it's, mm-hmm. just, it's just great. What does Côte d'Azur mean? The Azure coast, uh, the blue coast, because of the Mediterranean, that's right there. We nickname, the Mediterranean's nickname is La Grande Bleue. Uh, the ah, big blue. I've never heard of the so big Azure, blue. So Azure, it's blue. And and you see it if you land it in Nice. From yeah. It's a beautiful sight when you land in Nice from the plane. Yeah. It's gorgeous. You know, from the little hilltop in Nice. I love looking down at the coast. The, oh, the, yeah. the, the, what is it? Mm. The uh, Anglaise, the promenade. Promenade des Anglais. Yeah. Des Anglais. Uh, the English promenade uh-huh. and that beautiful arc of a beach. And yeah. then you see that beautiful blue water. Nina, what is your story? You're, you're Danish, but you ended up in uh, living in the south of France. I ended up in the south of France, the worst places to live. <laughs> because, and, and what brought I'm, you to the south of well, France? Well, because I met a Frenchman. <laughs> you met a Frenchman. The, and, the Dane uh, meets the Frenchman. The Dane meets the Frenchman. So, so I, I ended up living in the south of France. So I think mm, I can do this. It's great so, weather, but I, I discovered the beauty of the area also. And you lead groups around, and you're a tour uh-huh. guide in the south of France. It's yeah. uh, There's a lot of tourism in the south of France, a lot oh, of yeah. great guides. And you're like a lot of the people historically that have fallen in love with the French Riviera. When you mm-hmm. think about the French Riviera, it's where Brits, where Russians, where artists, where VIPs mm-hmm. throughout the generations have, have ended up. What's the story with the connection with Britain and with Russia? Well, actually, it started with um, there was a British doctor who uh, figured out that the nice climate, the perfect climate for all these tuberculosis, ah. all kind of breathing problems for the Brits because they have terrible weather in Britain. We know that, right? So you sort of get mold in your lungs so, or something. But it's interesting because he wrote this book about like climate treatment, right? Your, your treatment yeah. through climate. So all these Brits went away and, and then because it became fashionable. Right? This, this would be in the in the 1800s? Uh, it actually started late 1700s and then oh, continued through okay. the 1800s and then there was a really boom right at the end of the 1800s. But it went slow in the beginning and mm-hmm. then it came up. And then the, the Russians followed because it became fashionable. Right? It became fashionable. Well, to, if you don't like the weather in London, you probably don't, you like, don't like the, the weather, weather in, in Moscow. Right? In Moscow, <laughs> Moscow exactly, yeah. And then they started buying these huge villas and you know building, and that's why there's a Russian Orthodox church in Nice, for instance. It's, it's quite a magnificent surprising. church. Beautiful mm-hmm. church, yeah. And there's a huge chandelier in the big hotel, mm-hmm. I think, in uh, what is the it? Negresco. 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 Yeah. It's a beautiful hotel to, if you uh-huh. can sneak in, right? On, it's oh, sort I, of... Fend- yeah. it's you sort can of sneak the, in. 
the elegance of the old days. And uh, you step mm. into that ballroom mm. and you go, my goodness, this chandelier looks like for a Russian czar or something know, like that. Yeah. And it actually was. <gasps> and then in what, 1917, mm. the revolution yep, in Russia yep, breaks yep. out. You built this big chandelier. Let's hang it in the hotel. Mm. A little bit of uh, this reminder that early tourism was for um, nobles and aristocrats, and they would well, go it's down interesting. To the yeah, and it starts off as a treatment for against diseases of right. different kinds, right? And there's like a you you need this treatment if you have money to go to the river. In fact, right. the front door of the beachfront hotel mm-hmm. is actually on the back side. Mm-hmm. Originally, there we go. Why was that? Because they avoided the sunshine, didn't they? Yeah, they didn't want to get a suntan. That wasn't fashionable. Now it's pretty fashionable. The, I the would poor say. people out in the fields would have uh-huh. a suntan. Oh, but yeah. if you're oh. an elegant woman, you don't want it. Oh tan. no, you covered up. You covered up, right? Like umbrellas and they had the long sleeves yeah. and yeah. Oh yeah. Our guides to the French Riviera today on Travel with Rick Steves are Nina Sefuzati. She guides tours to southern France from her home base in Provence. And Veronique Savoy, who offers custom tours of Paris, plus online virtual tours and French lessons at frenchgirlinseattle.com. One thing about the French Riviera is it's strung like a, to me like a bunch of charms along a bracelet uh, mm-hmm. right along the coastline there. Nice is a great town. To me, Nice is the one town that's not a resort. It's a real town, you know. Mm. And then from there, within an hour on either direction, you've got great towns to check out. Veronique, if you're thinking of uh, the favorite three or four stops on that charm bracelet, what would you recommend? I'm close or going either way from Nice. I would say Menton would be one because Menton is the last mm. French city on the coast before you reach Italy. I and really like Menton. M-E-N-T-O-N. Correct, Menton. yes. Okay. And um, so going that way. But if you go the other way, I would say Antibes. Mm. Antibes is a lovely town with a great, wonderful museum. Mm. And an old town as well, a Cannes. Cannes is like Nice, a big city, but there are others. Um, it's it's just a big one, uh, mm-hmm. but there are smaller ones as well. So you can really. I like the back country too, the little villages like Es and yeah, yeah. So and to me. Khan is is a big city, and mm-hmm. to me, it's overrated because it's famous for the film festival. The, fe- the film festival. Nice was always my favorite over Khan. See, There's I, no question. Let me be just really bold. I do not like Khan. <laughs> Disappointed? <laughs> I, I, just, I, I don't know yeah. why you'd go to Khan because you've because got Antibes, you've got yeah. Villefranche, yeah. you've got Monte Carlo, even you've mm-hmm. got Nice, you've got Menton. Mm-hmm. The backdoor town is Menton. Mm-hmm. The backdoor, the town with no nothing glitzy. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. and and Menton is beautiful, yeah. and you can go to the beach there. You can go up in the old town. There's a lot to do there. You know, the first time I went to Menton, I went on a bus ticket, and the bus ticket cost me like two euros, about Mm -hmm. two dollars or something. Bus number 100, I got on it in Nice, and the beautiful thing is it drives right along the coastline through so many wonderful, famous places, Mm -hmm. and the end of the line, I believe, was Menton, as you said, just before the Italian border. Mm -hmm. What's the story, Veronique, about uh, the French Riviera area being... French, because it feels Italian a lot. This happened in the 19th century, uh, during the Second Empire, when Napoleon III, this happened in several regions, actually, even north of the French uh, Riviera. Uh Uh, We were recently on a tour, and there are other regions like that, but basically during Napoleon, under Napoleon III, during the Second Empire, these regions were asked to vote. They were asked to vote, let's just put it this way, and so they became French, and Nice became French. So wait a minute. There's all of these areas that are today in the Italian border area of France. Mm-hmm. And in the 1860s, you have the Risorgimento in Italy, mm-hmm. this movement for unification. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know for sure if the people along this border area wanted to be with the newly united Italy 
or to stay with France? Was that the issue? Yeah, yeah. It's my understanding. Not everybody was enthused, especially in the Haute-Savoie, in the Savoie, in the mountains. Yeah. Um, they were not really enthused with the idea of joining France, if you will. Oh, they might have rather gone with Victor Emmanuel in yeah, Italy. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. France kind of bullied them into France? Mm, I'm sure. And so um, Napoleon III had arguments uh, <laughs> that he put forward, and they became French, and that's how Nice became French. But Nice is so Italian. It, it feels is. Italian. It is. It's yeah. so Italian, it is, yeah. the, the wonderful pizza, the architecture, the walls, the colors on the walls. You feel like you're in Italy. With a, with a different French flavor. It's a very interesting but mix. You, yeah, and you can, hear, you can hear it in the language also, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you, the you Nisar, get, yeah. The Nisar is their local dialect, right? But it's just the way that they speak French also. Mm-hmm. It sounds almost Italian. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's Speaking of problem. sounding Italian, Nina, your last name, Sefusati. Is Italian. It doesn't yeah. sound very French to me. No, it doesn't sound very French. <laughs> yeah. No, the, that's the story of my, my husband's family. So your husband's family was an Italian, well, spoke Italian, but they lived in that they, area. They actually were part of that huge amount of people that fled the fascism in Italy and Mussolini. And uh, then, you know, when you have one member of your family living in one part of the France and the others would follow later. So there was, you know, there's the whole, there are lots of Italians and Italian, you know, family names in the south of France, right? This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about the French Riviera and we're joined by Nina Sefuzati and Veronique Savoy. Savoy, that's the region just north of the area, isn't it? Yes. My so husband's can... last name was from La Savoie, and it was spelled differently at the time. But it, okay. I think that's where it came from. That's the story I always heard. That's, well, that's, it sounds like <laughs> it's believable to me if his last name is Savoy. And, Savoy. Uh, that's it's state, pronounced Savoy, like the region. Uh-huh. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Monique, a good French name, is calling from West Newbury in Massachusetts. Monique, bonjour. Hi, how are you? Great. Do you have some thoughts on your experience in the French Riviera? Yeah, so uh, my family spent one day on the Cap Ferrat. We followed some suggestions from your guidebook to take a walk along this peninsula um, that goes by Paloma Beach, and it's a beautiful trail. It's very easy. It's mostly flat. I think parts of it were paved, um, and just really enjoy the views, and you can stop on the beach. We even stopped and collected tiny little pieces of sea glass. They were just all over the beaches everywhere. And um, I thought maybe the yachts must toss lots of wine bottles into the ocean. <laughs> so sea and glass, is that, is that what we call um, broken glass that's been sanded smooth and now it's just kind of colorful? Yes. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. If they call it anything in French or not, but <laughs> yeah, that's good. But you're talking about just for our listeners here. You're talking about Cap Ferrat, the the Ferrat Cape, and it's very close to um, Villefranche-sur-Mer. Villefranche-sur-Mer. And uh, you can almost walk there. And uh, as as Monique is talking about, there's a like almost a paved path around this peninsula. Mm-hmm. And what I remember is it's just you're walking by all of these very elegant chateau. And in the middle, there's a Rothschild uh, chateau, a palace, uh, mm-hmm. a villa. Rothschild, yeah. Oh, they it's belong gorgeous. To the, yeah. uh, the gardens are magnificent. I think Leonard Nimoy had a house out there, mm-hmm. you know. Lots and of... Sa- David Niven. David Niven. Very close by, yeah. And uh, the, the cool thing about it is there are these beaches. Now, Monique, you went to the Paloma Beach? Well, so we walked... The walk that we took started there, so we did stop there, and my family wanted to stop and rent chairs um, for the day, it was early in the day, but I had plan- bigger plans for us that um, met walking all, all along the whole peninsula. And so after that, we went, I think we had to take a bus back over to, um, I can't remember, what's the name of the other beach? It's um, Place, 
Passage? Plage de Passage. Passage, yeah, Plage de Passage. And it's another beach that's um, beautiful, too. And so by the time we got there, unfortunately, it was a Saturday in June. And I hadn't thought that we needed to reserve the chairs ahead of time. So yeah. when we got there in the afternoon, oh. it was too late. Um, and our teenager was a little disappointed, but oh. there's always still public access there, and you just can't use the chairs. Well, I remember um, so my we, favorite beach on Cap Farah is 50-50. It's a tiny little beach. It's just below the Rothschild Villa. Yeah. And half of it has a restaurant, and you pay to have a piece of the mm-hmm. beach. And half of it is it should public. should be where you can go. Yeah. But yeah. Saturday afternoon, you might be asking for crowds. But generally, there's a beautiful opportunity. And if you have 20 bucks, you can rent a chair. And if you want to just sit on the rocks, you can do that. Yeah. The I, problem, of obviously, is the crowds, right? It, yeah. It's you, yeah. So what did you end up doing, Monique? So we decided um, not to let it ruin our afternoon. We just um, plopped down right on the pebbly sand, and we didn't even have towels. I thought that it would be very touristy, and we would be able to purchase those there, but um, it wasn't really like that. It was seemed like mostly locals at yeah. the mm-hmm. time we were there anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just sat there, and we laid down, and we actually all fell asleep. <laughs> and um, we had a really great time. We were able to purchase some snacks there at the shack. So you were and, you were roughing um, it. You were roughing it in the shadow of the yeah, Villa Rothschild. But, but <laughs> there were that. lots of other people doing the same thing, and um, it was great. And we actually, there was a man that we saw there with a dog that had been on the bus with us in the morning, and he was on the public side, and he had um, his little dog with him, and he recognized us, and he smiled at me, <laughs> and he was making some sun tea, and I'll, I'll always remember that. Yeah, that's um, beautiful. So, yeah, it was still a great day. We didn't, didn't right. have any regrets, and, well, well, that um, but I would great. recommend reserving ahead if that's something that you want to do. That's a good idea. Thanks, Monique, for the call. <laughs> Thank you. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Nina Sefuzati and Veronique Savoy, two guides from the French Riviera, and we're talking about their home turf. Nina, one of my favorite sites in the French Riviera is one that I know you like. It's the uh, Trophy of the Alps, right? Mm-hmm, Tell mm-hmm. us what that is. La Turbie, yeah. It's an interesting historic site because it's, it's, it's the Emperor Augustus. Now showing a little propaganda, if I can say that, he has conquered these uh, tribes, right, in the south of France. So and, this is uh, like in the first century or something? Uh, six, it's 6 BC, actually. 6 BC? Yeah, yeah. And so they beat the, the, the last of the barbarian tribes you know, in that area? Well, barbarian, no, no barbarians, please. <laughs> I'm sorry, the proto-French. Ligurian, Ligurian tribes. The Ligurian, But it's okay. something like 45 tribes that he actually conquered, right? So obviously it's this huge monument that is much smaller nowadays because yeah. it was taken apart, right, uh, by yeah. later governments. But there's and, this 2,000-year-old um, Roman monument yep. on the hilltop above it Monte Carlo. Above Monte Carlo. That's the great thing about it. And you have this lawn, this huge lawn around oh, it. Yeah. I've brought people, we picnic, actually, in the shade there. of the trophy of Augustus. And you have this view of Monaco, which is just incredible. You and know? then you have an ancient Roman relief, mm-hmm. a, a sculpture that shows a Roman uh, general mm-hmm. with his boot mm-hmm. on the neck, neck. of oh, one yeah. of, the, of uh, the tribes, people that he as conquered. As I said, piece of propaganda. A piece of propaganda. And that, in a lot of ways, kicked off the Pax Romana. Oh, because the Roman yeah, Empire had so. broken the spirit and the back of the, oh, yeah. of the uh, tribes that it wanted to control. And now they ushered in 2,000 years of stability. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I guess for sure, peace, yeah, peace, for sure. you know, everybody's yeah. happy as long as the, the boot of the emperor is, is holding your neck But you the have ground. to accept certain things you know, to get the peace. So the, <laughs> yeah. that's the, the trophy of the Alps. And uh, Veronique, what's the special angle of the French Riviera that we might also miss and that you should think we should be aware of? I'm sorry, I'm going to be very, I'm going to be about food because I'm French. Uh-huh. And I do like uh, street food in Nice. Oh. I think Nice has great, and the Riviera for that matter, but Nice has great street food and I mm. really enjoy it from the soca to the pizza ladiere that's like a pizza with uh, you know stewed onions on top and the soca is that chickpea to the crepe. chickpea um, crepe yeah. and um, and a glass of rosé a slice of soca or a slice mm. of pizza ladiere or a slice of pizza because we just said Nice has excellent pizza right there on the pebble beach Right on the Pebble Beach. And you know oui. what, what I like to... I know the restaurant you're talking about. There's a beautiful restaurant on the beach, and I always have to get a salad niçoise. Oh, is this the one right close to the big cliff? Right close to the cliff, yeah. Yes. Uh, what's the name? It's mm. famous, Nina. Do you remember? Mm-mm. I forgot uh, the name. People can find it. But a, a salad niçoise is just a good basic 10 or $15 lunch. And, yeah, and uh, you can have that inside a sandwich, and it's called a pain bagna. So ah, the pain right? bagna is the big round bread you slice open, and you put the salad niçoise inside, kind of, and so that becomes a pain bagna. It's literally a Salad from Nice. It is. Yes, salad niçoise. I want to close the conversation just with uh, what makes a salad niçoise really good. Nina? Hmm. Anchovies? Anchovies (laughs) and Veronica. Well, I... I talk to the niçoise and they tell me that in the niçoise salad, the real one, there are no green beans. And everywhere you eat it, they put green beans in it. And so in Nice, very often, there are no green beans. So trade away the green beans so and have an extra anchovies. anchovies. Exactly. I like anchovies, too, so I agree with Nina. All right. <laughs> Nina and Veronique, thank you very much for a better understanding of the French Riviera. Merci bien. Merci. Merci. Hey, I'm Rick Steves. In my latest book, For the Love of Europe, I share the highlights of a lifetime of exploring Europe, my favorite experiences, sights, and encounters in 100 essays. If you love Europe, too, this is four decades of greatest hits in 400 pages made to order to stoke your travel dreams. You can order your copy of For the Love of Europe at ricksteves.com.